1: New U.S. sanctions on Iran took effect today, six months after President Trump pulled the U.S. out of the international nuclear deal. The sanctions targeted Iran's shipping, financial, and energy sectors, all key to the country's already struggling economy. The bombs, which the FBI referred to as improvised explosive
2: devices, were sent to the FBI's bomb laboratory in Quantico, Virginia.
0: We're in Mexico again tonight as thousands of migrants try to find a faster way to the U.S. border. The White House says it's now getting help from the Mexican Breaking news out of Pittsburgh: A man accused in the shooting at the uh, synagogue in Pittsburgh is pleading not guilty, and he also wants a jury trial. He's facing up to 44 counts. So, in the final seconds before the Boeing 737 Max crashed into the water, it was traveling at more than 500 kilometers an hour. All 189 people on board were killed.
2: You've now entered the House of Mystery.
0: Crime, Conspiracy, History, and Science.
2: With your hosts, Al Warren, Mike Brown,
0: Julie Sav, Michael Butterfield,
2: Dr. Joseph Usinski, and Michael Hawley.
0: Heard on KCAA 106.5 FM Los Angeles, 102.3 FM Riverside, and 1050 AM Palm Springs.
1: Quiet numbskulls, I'm
2: broadcasting. Welcome back into the House of Mystery, and I'm Al Warren, sitting at the controls. And on the East Coast, we have uh, Mr. David North Martino. I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, I didn't say a thing about the name. That's it. No. Mrs. Martino. That's right. There we go. (laughs)
0: I <laughs> uh, still can't get used to it, but that's all right, I, I'll,
2: I'll figure it out I'll, I'll take some pills or something Well, today we have a uh, special guest And um, he's pretty shy normally uh, But we've got him to come on the show and, and talk And his last book, Magic for the Resistance, Rituals and Spells for Change So Michael M. Hughes, thanks for being here
1: Thank you, and uh, I think that's probably the first time I've been called shy in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just trying to soften that, soften the
2: people up, thinking, oh, this cute little shy guy is coming off and he's going to talk about basket weaving. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> so now, Magic for the Resistance, that's, that's a
1: totally different
2: style of writing. Um, what made you go there?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, that's a long story, so I will try to kind of sum it up in an easily digestible form. Yeah, it is my first nonfiction book. It was a. Uh, it was interesting circumstances <laughs> led to it. Uh, essentially, in um, 2017, uh, shortly after a certain president, who I'll leave um, unnamed, was uh, was elected. Um I and many other people were a little disturbed by, by things that were happening, like uh, the all the rhetoric about you know immigrants being murderers and the border wall and just the general tone of the, uh, of the presidency, the the ban on people from Muslim countries coming into the US that encouraged a lot of people to you know head out to airports it was uh It was a really turbulent time uh, it's I don 't think it's any real secret that I'm a pretty uh, liberal progressive guy, proudly so i've been that way all my life, and I was just really disturbed by what was happening. It seemed like America uh, with the election of that president, was really going in a the opposite direction of Things A lot of things that I value. Um, and mm-hmm. so uh, I, I've always been an activist, too. I've been an activist since I was in my teens in the anti-nuclear movement it was where I first, you know, started like marching and carrying signs and writing to Congress people and things like that. So I, I really felt compelled to be active. Uh, against the policies that I was seeing this, this president was doing. So I also realized that in order to kind of break through the media, uh, the 24-hour the and forget it sort of uh, media cycle nowadays, that in, in order to gain traction with anything, it, uh, I have always believed it has to kind of come in out of left field And being a practicing magician, I am not a witch, but I I do practice magic. I've always found it a fascinating uh, subject and a practical, interesting, enjoyable thing to do. I had the idea that why not do a ritual uh, against the, the president and make it like a mass ritual, like publish it online so that people can join in make it short make it easy to do make it kind of funny uh, and just put it out there and it just as a as a as a kind of you know something people aren't expecting something that might gain some traction and I was inspired by the yippies in particular I've always been a fan of like Abby Hoffman and Jerry Rubin and some of these the things they did like throwing throwing dollar bills on the uh, the stock exchange floor and watching you know all the all the stock brokers scramble for the money thought that was a that was always a great uh, piece of activism and also in particular their uh, their levitation of the Pentagon in 1969 which which I thought was just a beautiful piece of like absurdist theater uh, at, at that time they were trying to levitate the, and exercise the demons of the Pentagon uh, to stop the the war in Vietnam. And I just thought that was great. I, I love that. It's just so, so freaky and weird. And, you know, unless you were actually on like 250 mics of acid, you probably didn't see the <laughs> Pentagon rise up and spin around and <laughs> demons shoot out of it. But it's, it was a really a beautiful absurd iconic moment there was like a reaction to the absurdity of the Vietnam War and the era and you know like students getting shot down on Kent State and things like that so it was I just thought it was a beautiful absurdist piece of political theater and activism that actually got people to think so my idea was to create this binding spell because binding spells are like kind of the oldest Sort of spells in the historical record, like people used to write them on little sheets of lead, like bind that that jerk who you know stole my my donkey from me um, and they'd write that down on a piece of lead and then they'd throw it in a well or in a in a hole in a graveyard or something like that so these spells essentially are encouraged to like stop people from doing bad things so I thought, well what a great what a great thing to do. Have a, have a binding spell that like people could take part in. That's, that's kind of silly, but kind of serious. And we can all do it at the same time on the waning crescent moon. And, you know, so I I just threw this thing together and I remember telling a friend about it and him saying, you know, that's the, that's maybe the dumbest idea you've ever. (laughs) That is, that is just absolutely ridiculous, man. But, But I couldn't stop thinking about it. So I, I, I posted on a, on medium one afternoon, you know, I polished it, uh, you know, had some other people look at it, some other like magicians and occultists and things like that. And I polished it up and I, you know, I tr- really, you know, tried to make it uh, uh, just a, like a, a really strong message, but again, with some elements of humor in it and things like that. And, I I posted it on Medium, and then within hours, like, I realized something big was happening. Like, initially, I thought maybe, like, 20 or 30 people might find it funny or interesting or silly and might do it. But it just went viral with a speed, like, nothing I've ever done has come close to it. So within an hour, there were thousands of people sharing it on Facebook and Twitter and everywhere else. And then I just literally could click the refresh my browser and watch it going up by like hundreds and then thousands. And before long, like the same day, I was sitting at work, you know, I'm trying to get some work done (laughs) in my office job, my day job. And all of a sudden the emails started coming in. The phone started ringing off the hook reporters wanting to cover it and this thing it just went through the stratosphere like i i stuck a little like note on my my office door and closed it like i'm on the phone you know like don't i can't talk don't bother me and it just kept blowing up bigger and bigger and bigger before like before i knew it like cnn was calling fox news was calling um, you know, all the major newspapers, Boston Globe, et cetera, and, and it just would not stop. So uh, I, had, <laughs> I had planned this, the first binding spell it was to take place every month. And the goal was to drive um, the president, you know who, out of office. That was the stated goal. And like the humorous elements in it were like there was a little um, stubby orange candle uh, to represent his stubby orange—I um, don't know—fingers, maybe you might say—and <laughs> uh, and so this thing just like just like blew up beyond anything I could possibly imagine to the point that it was just surreal. How many reporters were calling? And I, so I planned this for like two weeks after I published it, and. As that night got close, the night of the waning crescent moon on, uh, I think it was February twenty fourth, two thousand seventeen. All, all these TV stations kept calling, going, "We want to send a camera to like tape this." You know, this is, this is big CNN. You know, producers just calling me on the phone and emailing me, going, "We want to cover this. We want to cover people doing it. Can you, can you find?" can we film you? Do you know anyone we can find in New York? So I started asking, you know, all these people that said they were doing it and a lot of them were just afraid, you know, they, they didn't want to put themselves out as like raw meat to be doxed and, and, you know, and whatever else people do nowadays when, when they, when they don't like what someone's doing publicly. And I I didn't want a camera crew to film me. I was getting together with about 40 people I knew to do the ritual in a backyard in Baltimore. And I didn't want my poor friend who was hosting it to have, you know, to have like TV trucks all over his neighborhood, freaking out his neighbors. So I did something which is a little strange and I lied. I said, I said, just because they wouldn't leave me alone. And I was, like, so broken down by all these media requests to film this thing. I said, I hear there are a bunch of witches doing it outside of Trump Tower in New York. <laughs> and, and they were like, awesome, great. <laughs> Let's do it. So they, we're going to send a crew. And I, I, after I did that, I, I told a couple news outlets, I thought, maybe I shouldn't have done that. You know, it's kind of kind of a <laughs> – a crappy thing to do, but I was just so tired of them asking me. So the night of this binding spell uh, came and, you know, at that point I was like, I hadn't slept. I was just running on fumes and we did this ritual and it, it, it felt amazing and everyone cheered. And I realized at that point, like, Thousands, maybe, you know, tens of thousands of people were doing this all over the world. And afterward, I just kind of like sunk down on a log that was outside my friend's house um, and just sat there. And I was like, oh, my God, we did it. You know, we did it. And another friend came up with his phone and held it up to my face and said, check it out. And it was footage from CNN. CNN. And there were witches (laughs) sitting on the sidewalk outside of Trump Tower in New York doing the ritual that I had written. And that's like my head just kind of exploded at that point, you know, (laughs) like, oh, my God, what what have I done? You know what this it, it the this absolute surreality of this thing that I thought, you know, a few people might embrace going So global and so worldwide and being covered on, you know, national and cable news just just blew my mind. I mean, it still freaks me out when I when I look back at what happened and it's it's four years later and I'm still a little, you know, shocked at, at how this all happened.
2: Well, you know, it's so did you guys do it in the nude or?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't think anyone would have wanted to see me. (laughs) Uh, Oh, yeah. Uh, Sky clad, right? (laughs) Sky clad, yeah. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not a witch, so I don't go by the witch rules. Yeah, Yeah, the witch rules, yeah. Too bad. I mean, that's, that's, you know, it would have
2: been. Uh, But so what exactly? um, So if you were to explain to people what what magic really
1: is. Yeah, well, that's a big That is well, the it, big question, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is.
2: But, okay. but how do you perceive, like, um, in as short uh, as a way as you can, to try sure. and describe what magic is compared to what? Sure, sure.
1: Know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I see magic as kind of art in a way. Um, I think the way I see magic is when you intentionally – try to kind of push the needle of probability a little in one direction. Um, and you do that through art. You do that through ritual. Um, and, you know, a lot of people think magic, oh, like, oh, I you know, I wish I had a yacht. And you, you know, wave your magic wand and a yacht pulls up into the harbor and you hop on and crack a bottle of champagne open, something like that. But that's, I mean, that's kind of silly. I think magic doesn't break the laws of physics, the laws of reality. But I think when you you employ ritual actions in your life with intention, you can kind of nudge things a little bit. So magic works best when it's something that is possible. Um, Obviously, if it's impossible, like that making the yacht, you know, appear, it's not going to happen, or a Ferrari in your driveway or something like that. But let's say you're looking for a job or you're, um, or you're, or you're trying to get a, a book contract or something like that. I think using magical practices uh, can, you know, maybe, and who knows how it works, you know, maybe it's just doing a ritual might make you a little more committed to, it might give you a little extra energy or something like that. Um, So I think, you know, for me, just doing a ritual kind of reaffirms your commitment to something. And that's always helpful. And doing magic puts you in sort of an altered state if it's done correctly. And that can, you, you really can uh, create change that way. But, but like i said magic is sort of art so i consider great artists uh magicians in a way like someone who is like a rock star like let's say prince or something i mean just by creating this amazing art can really change people's consciousness and and um you know certain certain music can change people's beliefs about something you look at like protest music or something like that and but magic is also as simple as like you know my grandmother used to go into the local catholic church and light a candle for someone and my wife's grandmother's jewish she used to light candles you know for you know every time my wife would get on an airplane she'd be like i'm lighting a candle for you so you'll be safe so i think we all kind of do magic a lot i think as human beings we're sort of magical thinkers whether we you know whether we try to be you know really materialist or or not or whether we're you know we just don't believe in magic we still kind of we can't help but think magically because it's kind of part of who we are yeah so does that does that make sense yeah yeah for sure
2: for sure you know and and back in the eighties, I had friends that used to throw condoms in the aisles of the Catholic Church that's sort of magic,
1: <laughs> sure yeah I mean that gets that gets a that gets you know quite the reaction i'm sure you know I, but I,
2: but but that in <laughs> itself isn't that sort of part of what it is it's sort yeah. of because what you're doing is you're changing someone's comfort zone
1: yeah, you can you know changing their comfort zone or you know with the type of magic i wrote about in this book is it's it's doing rituals to kind of reaffirm your commitment to you know social causes or or justice or things like that and what was really the i think the most beautiful feedback i got from people from the whole binding spell and the other sort of rituals that we that we all collectively did together was was the people who had never done anything like it before. So they would do this binding spell. I mean, they were just like me. They were just like terrified by what was happening politically. And, you know, they were all writing letters and making phone calls and going, you know, like to you know, the Women's March, the March for Science and things like that. But then after doing this ritual, so many people said, you know what? Like I needed this, like this this just gave me like renewed energy. It kind of, it made me feel like I had my power back again. Cause it's easy to feel power less when you're doing all these, you know, activist sort of things, but, but things aren't really changing. It's easy to get beaten down as, as like an activist when you see you're doing all this work, but the tide keeps coming at you. The fire hose of like bad stuff is just like spraying full force but what, if, what we found was doing a ritual where you kind of, you know, it's almost like a self-exorcism. Like you, all that, all that despair and all that anger and all those, those toxic sort of emotions you're feeling, you can purge them. Really, it's like rituals just kind of, you know, can, get, can reset you in a way and, and give you a target to kind of focus your, your, your energy and then to let it go. So that was really great. So many people just said, "I felt so much better after I did this this binding spell. Like I yeah. Yeah, I felt good again.
2: It made them feel like they accomplished something, like they were doing something. Um, yeah. But when they what, were
1: doing something, that's the thing. A lot of people criticize this sort of stuff as like slacktivism. You know, oh, you're right. just lighting a candle <laughs> and wishing that you know Donald, what's his face, will will go away. But but the the my most of the people that were doing this ritual were also doing a lot of other things too. So I tried to really, you know, keep that keep that in mind. That yes, doing rituals is helpful, but calling up your congressman is like really important. <laughs> you know, not just lighting candles and and trying to do things magically that way, but but you know the real. Hardcore magic act is when you call up your, your representatives and say, hey, you know, uh, this, this is not okay. Uh, and, and Right, so. right.
2: Well, you know, one of the first questions people will have listening is, is uh, you know, do they have to be um, a witch or a pagan or be involved in some sort of witchcraft in order to do this?
1: Yeah, abs- absolutely. That's, that's always a question, and uh, absolutely not. We had for this binding spell. There were Christians doing it. There were there was a, a, a Hindu group that was doing it. Jews were doing it. Um, there was uh, one of the um, people I know very well was doing it. Is actually like a, a Catholic. She's she works with Catholic nuns and and I in, intentionally wrote this ritual so that it could be tweaked. You know, if you're if you're a Christian, call on Jesus um, to 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 affect this change um, you know if you're if you're buddhist if if you're atheist if you're agnostic you could still do a ritual you don't have to believe in it to do it and to feel a change in yourself when you do it so absolutely not i mean i'm not a witch but but the media you know when they hear spell the first thing they think is harry potter witches mm-hmm. yeah you know they don't <laughs> there's not this there's not this widespread um, you know, understanding that magic is kind of cross-cultural and there's all sorts of ways to do magic. It's not just, just witches. But I love the witches. You know, the witches like totally embraced this and made it their own. And, you know, this Facebook group popped up. It has 7,000 people now. And it's and it just keeps growing and growing, you know, even though the main target of the main ritual that we all kind of coalesced around is gone or at least temporarily gone. So it's, uh, it's for everybody. And I think magic is for everybody. Like if you, if you, if someone's sick and you light a candle and you say a prayer for them, that's, that's a magical act. And, and we all know that it, it, if nothing else, it often makes us feel better and there's nothing wrong with, doing something to feel better. I mean, you know, coming out of a pandemic and, you know, a year of just of constant, you know, bad news and things like that, uh, I, I think we all deserve to do things that make us feel better.
2: Well, but how, how effective do you think this is? And, and in your experience, what do you think uh, of doing, things? you know, magical things or spells or bindings and stuff like that? Do you think that it actually does things
1: yeah I mean it at the very minimum it, it it helps people stay focused on something. You know we did this ritual every month for four years um, and, and 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 it worked. <laughs> I mean did we make it work? I don't know i I can't say that. How much did we push the needle in one direction or another? Uh, to to clear that occupant out of the white house but he's gone so you, you know you, we can we can certainly t- take credit for it and that's how magic works when it when when you get your result it works um but but yeah of, of course uh, of course you know I can't say we did that you know it's our we made this happen but what I can say is that doing a ritual regularly with you know, thousands, tens of thousands of people at the same time all around the world, it it sure kept us focused. You know, it sure kept our, our our engines going. Sometimes when maybe we we felt burned out or we felt like we couldn't do anymore. We felt like we couldn't make one more phone call or write one more email or go to one more march. This having a ritual to like to engage a community and keep the community focused. I think that's part of, of what, what works. So I'd say it it depends, you know, the answer is it depends, but one way it definitely did work is to keep a community focused on a very singular goal and united and just, you know, engaged.
2: Hmm. I wonder what, what do you think about people that, um, they're probably a little bit more scared of such things, spells and castings Mm -hmm. and bindings. And in fact, they might even consider it evil. And they might say that what you're doing um, is trying to take control over people. You know, they Mm -hmm. might put you as like some sort of a, you know, voodoo sort of, guru or something right so <laughs> how do you respond to something on that side
1: yeah well there, there was plenty of criticism from all over the place i mean i, I purposely uh put the word demons in the ritual because i knew <laughs> i knew that would freak the the fundamentalist and the evangelicals out and and stir them up and uh, and of course it did um so you know part of this was although it was very sincere in its aims, it was also kind of a performance art piece as well. You know, it was designed to provoke and, and get people talking and designed to provoke the people who I knew it would provoke. Um, and it it most certainly did. Of course, I had all sorts of, you know, fundamentalists and evangelicals telling me I was going to hell and all that. And, and death threats, which I always find kind of amusing, coming from you know people supposedly of Christian backgrounds
0: <laughs> wanting to kill people. Uh... See you Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
1: Kind of doesn't jive with the, the Jesus that I learned about when I was a kid. Um, so, yeah, I, I, it I, I can see that. But the way I constructed this ritual was not to, like, harm anyone or to hurt anyone. It was simply, and if you read it, it's very carefully worded, to stop the target of the spell from doing harmful things. So, in theory, this spell would would only stop harmful acts. It would not, you know, wouldn't hurt its targets. It wouldn't inhibit or, or, or stop the target from doing anything unless it was harmful. And the kinds of harm were very specifically spelled out in the spell, too. So... And what was fascinating to me is the criticism that came from the pagan and witch communities. Like, I wasn't expecting that. Um, but there's this thing called the threefold law that that mm. w- did a lot of witches adhere to. It's like if you do something bad, it comes back to you threefold and, and things like that. First of all, that was just invented in the 1940s by Gerald Gardner who basically invented modern witchcraft, you know, it's not like some ancient thing passed down by, you know, a matriarchal goddess culture from, you know, the, the Neolithic uh, as, as a lot of people might, might try to to explain. So I, I, and I'm not a witch, so I didn't go by it anyway. Um, But I thought that this, this ritual was pretty carefully crafted and pretty, pretty clear in its intent to bind, a certain person from doing harm, harm to democracy, harm to immigrants, harm, you know, harm to um, social issues, uh, things that that a lot of us saw as, as deeply threatened uh, uh, by this kind of authoritarian, um, autocratic leadership that was in place. So uh, yeah, it, 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 I, 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 All that criticism. First of all, I mean, some people are just going to think that any anything is evil if it's not their preferred brand of religion. That's fine. You know, it's a it's a free country. Uh, We have, you know, the right to practice any sort of spiritual practice we want, as long as we're not harming somebody. And I feel like this was a this was a very, you know, carefully crafted bit of magic. That no one could say, "Oh, you're trying to hurt." So, you know, a lot of people said, "What if the Secret Service shows up at your door?" You know, and I, <laughs> uh, I said, "Man, if that happens, I will ride that, uh, <laughs> that, of, that publicity uh, to, you know, to superstardom or whatever." I mean, if it, could you imagine the Secret Service showing up at someone's house and saying? We hear you're casting spells on the president. <laughs> I mean, uh, that that would be like the most brilliant Abby, Hoffme, a- Abby Hoffman sort of moment Im- imaginable. Um, so yeah, it was it was it was fun and it was serious, and people had their criticisms, but people are always going to have their criticisms. That's 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 the world we live in. Um, you you use the term uh, magical thinking, and that is typically used like negatively, kind of as a pejorative. Uh, within, like, the scientific community, are you trying to kind of reclaim that term? Yeah, I, I love that term. I call myself a magical thinker uh, because I believe. I'm, but I'm, I'm an absolute, uh, uh, absolute science fanatic as well, and that might make people, some people, scratch their heads. But um, I think magic and science are just they're just two different. Ways of looking at the world. Uh, magic is more of like a, a an art, where science is a method. Uh, you know, science science takes things apart and looks at the individual pieces and figures out how things work. Magic is like a metaphorical, artistic way of engaging with reality, and they they, they don't they're not they're not in conflict. I really believe that magic is just an approach to life, a, a way. Let take take for example divination, which is probably the most common magical practice. I mean, we all know someone has gone to like a psychic or a palm reader, a tarot card reader, things like that. Well, divination is just about looking at a situation with symbols, random symbols, and making. Stories out of those symbols. I do tarot card readings. I've done them professionally for, you know, 25 plus years at this point. And I don't claim to see the future when I when I talk to people who come to me for readings. But what we do is I mix up some really potent, you know, deeply significant symbols on these cards And then we lay them out and we talk about them and we talk about what the client is experiencing and we look at the images and I talk about what comes to my mind and it's like a conversation. So, you know, it's not – so a scientist should look at that and go, oh, that's like – that's art. You know, you're having a conversation about emotions and feelings and situations. So you don't need – magic and science aren't in conflict. They're just two separate – ways of engaging with reality interesting
2: yeah so where does this come from for you like how did you get involved in this type of uh, magical thinking as you call it like what what mm-hmm. uh, was the fire that let that behind this
1: yeah well it's i i think a lot of a lot of it goes back to my childhood really um uh, I I was brought up uh, Catholic, you know, so going to mass every Sunday, whether I wanted to or not, dragged by my parents. You know, it was like the incense, the candles, uh, the singing, just the atmosphere of, you know, a sanctified sort of environment was really appealing to me. As I got older, I kind of rejected the dogma of of the church, and but I still really resonate with that sort of ritualistic, um, you know, the incense, the candles, the the feeling you can get when you walk into like a a really beautifully designed, spacious place that's dedicated to spiritual pursuits. I still love going into churches, uh, especially really old churches. I love the vibe and the atmosphere. I just don't go like during the (laughs) the actual church service because i'm not much of a really a fan of 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 mainstream religion anymore but uh, it's so i've always had this appreciation for for that sort of ritualistic atmosphere and engagement um but i've always felt you know sort of like a mystic even as a kid i always thought about like what is what what is life? What is the universe? Why are we here? I read a lot of like Buddhism, um, Taoism, and, you know, studied a lot of like shamanic type cultures and practices, took, took psychedelics as a, you know, in my late teens, which really kind of opened my mind to like how our brains shape reality and how just like by ingesting a chemical, we can look at the world so differently um but i've i've just always been into magical stuff like i got a tarot card deck when i was 11 i uh, was the james bond 007 tarot card deck <laughs> uh, which i still have you know it's like one of my favorite <laughs> possessions and um, it may have been because I was more influenced by the picture of Jane Seymour on the on the box <laughs> than the cards themselves. But so I, I just started playing around with tarot cards. Also, my my father was kind of a paradoxical guy. He was he was you know deeply Catholic and extra very religious, but he was also he also did transcendental meditation and he read books about like ghosts and UFOs and things like that. And I would just pick these books up and read them when he was done with them. And this was the 70s. You know, I grew up as a kid in the 70s, and, like, occultism and the supernatural was everywhere. I used to watch In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy, and, you know, Chariots of the Gods was at the movie theater, you know, the original ancient alien stuff. and, And so the 70s were just, like, soaking in the supernatural and the occult and, you know, esoteric things like that. So it's really, I feel like it's just part of who I've always been. And so naturally I gravitated uh, towards the idea of magic. And the way I got into it was through divination tarot cards and things like that. Because once you start a divination practice, if you're serious about it, it really makes you, you know, it it can really change your way of understanding reality. And I really believe that if you approach reality as 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 magical that it will respond that way. And divination is really a great sort of way to get into a magical thinking practice. I mean even if you think it's only psychological games that you're playing with yourself, it works, you know. You you can you can use tarot cards or the i ching or runes or or you know anything you know sticks throwing sticks on the ground or bones or whatever but if you do a divination practice you'll you'll find out that somehow you get interesting feedback from it and you can believe it's like spirits you could believe it's your your higher self you could believe it's just psychological tricks you're doing but it 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 does something, and, and it, and it works. You get legitimate feedback from it. And I've done so many tarot readings over the years with people I do not know. Um, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not using cold reading or stuff like that, um, but it just it works. You know, they get, they get good information out of it, and they keep coming back and, and paying. And I feel like I'm, I'm providing a service if it's helping people. And that's, that's really kind of the goal is, is just to help people out. But I, I, one more thing before I monopolize this conversation too much longer. <laughs> I, when I was a kid, because I think this is, this is a big part of it, and I should throw this in there. I started reading books about mentalism, which is, uh, which is magic, like, like sleight of hand sort of magic, but it's, it's mind-reading magic. So it's trickery but it aims to duplicate what looks like psychic phenomenon so asking someone to think of a card and they tell me the card and i just happen to you know pull it out of my pocket or something like that and i found that magic to be like really powerful you do a card trick for somebody they're like oh that's that's cool you know the guy knows how to manipulate cards but if you pull a thought out of someone's mind or you project a thought into someone's mind or you predict what's going to be on a newspaper the following day, that's kind of mind blowing. And that's, I found that kind of magic more, more, um, adult, you know, and, and it's more sort of mind bending for people because they think, wow, maybe this is real. Um, and I, I love that, that sort of slippery, uh, boundary between real magic and and trickery like it's always fascinated me so doing mentalism and being able to simulate you know magic or or psychic abilities and results made me start thinking well can you do this for real (laughs) and and a lot of mentalists unlike magicians like you know the amazing randy who's like you know hardcore materialist skeptic A lot of people who practice mentalism, they start to kind of imagine that psychic stuff is real because it happens to them. Like, they'll make a mistake. They won't have the name of the person that, you know, the the person they pulled out of the audience. They said, think of your friend's name, and the trick goes wrong, and then they have to try to do it for real, and it works sometimes. So mentalists tend more so than just straight up, Sleight of hand magicians, mentalists tend to be a little more um, you know uh, little more in the way of believers in, in psychic sort of stuff they're also good at uh, at exposing fake psychics and fake mediums and things like that and that's why when I see um, investigations of people with alleged paranormal abilities or psychic abilities if they don't have a magician on hand the the people trying to research whether it's real or not i i have zero trust and in, in their conclusions you need to have people who know how to do that sort of trickery when you're doing any kind of investigation of of someone with alleged psychic or paranormal abilities like you need that if you don't have someone that knows how the trickery is done, then your conclusions are worthless.
2: That makes sense. Do you, um, do you bring your, your magical practices,
1: uh, rituals, things that you've learned, mentalism into your fiction? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I, I do I, I my fiction is always tends to be probably you know with you and 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 every other writer the kind of stuff you're you're fascinated by tends to wind up in, in your fiction and so my um, Blackwater lights trilogy is very much about magic like kind of dark occult magic um, because I'm I, I, I like scary stuff you know I've, I've, I've liked monster movies and horror since I was a kid. So my first fiction, my short stories and my novels, my Blackwater lights trilogy are all, you know, dark. They're, they're, they're meant to, to disturb and, you know, hopefully scare people. And because I love the, the power of that emotion, but definitely magic. Like I've, I've kind of interwoven the third book in the trilogy is really the one that's most, um, most central to my ideas about magic—that's um, where I kind of, you know, it's it's where I sort of throw my philosophy of magic into my fiction. So absolutely, and I think as as writers, you know, we we all know that the stuff that 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 most interests us is the stuff we want to write about in fiction too.
2: How, you know, when you look back at this. Um how how do you think this has changed you at, at this side of it, you know, from four years ago? And would you do it again?
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, um, I've, I mean, this, this experience this the binding spell. And then, you know, we did a, uh, uh, some, uh, some other rituals for, for civil rights and, um, you know, against the NRA and things like that, which also is another one that objectively was pretty successful, considering they're they're essentially bankrupt at this point. Um, I would I would do it again. Um, I I feel very lucky that so many people found something I wrote to be uh, so meaningful to them. I feel, and particularly really happy that so many people got a taste of what like doing a ritual can do for them, how it can make them feel, especially the people that never did anything like it before. Um, I, it, it, you know, of course there were some negative aspects to it, like, you know, getting death threats and, you know, people saying they're, you know, either the Christians saying that they're, Excuse me, that they're sending you know armies of uh, of angels to you know kill me or or the the occultist who happened to um, happened to be supporters of that president who are cursing me and and just it's you know it's never nice to open up your email and just see people saying things like they want to kill you and, and watch out and we're watching you and all that sort of stuff. But that's just kind of, you know, that happens to everybody who is political in our current era of social media and things like that. I mean, it's just, it's just a fact of life. So I kind of expected it and I just learned to, to really brush it off. But in in the bigger scheme of things, I, I just feel really really grateful to all the people who found this piece of this writing that I, that I wrote this ritual I created that they found it so helpful in their lives and so meaningful. And I also, this, it was not my idea to mix politics with magic. Other people had sort of done that. And in my, in my book, magic for the resistance, I talk about how magic has been used politically. Like throughout history. I mean, it's just some really fantastic stories of witches or occultists or or other people using magic to, you know, for for political aims. There there was a lot more than I realized when I started researching the book. But I feel lucky that I kind of made that, brought that into the popular culture spotlight and that so many people now feel that it's okay to do magical sort of acts or spells or rituals, whatever you want to call it for, for social or political um, causes. Like uh, I'm, I'm grateful because if had I just written this and put it online and 20 people read it, like I originally suspected that would have been fun and we wouldn't be talking about it right now. But the fact somehow this resonated with, with so many people. And I feel like there's a couple reasons. And, and it's, first of all, like the witchcraft is just blowing up, as anyone who's on Instagram or TikTok knows. It's, And I think that's because a lot of younger people are turned off by, you know, they see the Catholic Church, they see all the sexual abuse that was covered up. They look at evangelicals and they see that, you know, evangelicals just, you know, arguing against uh you know LGBTQ people and younger people are a lot more um, open and a lot more socially and politically progressive. So they're looking for spirituality, but they're not finding it in the traditional um, churches. And the, the there's even a term, um, religious um, spiritual but not religious, is like the largest growing. Uh, affiliation in this country like that people have a spiritual urge and what things like witchcraft or or you know indigenous shamanic practices or magic what they do is they kind of say you can be a spiritual person but you don't need a middleman um, in the way you don't need a priest or a rabbi or an imam or or whatever you can approach the divine in any way that you wish and you can have a personal relationship and you can you can operate as the priest or the rabbi, you know, like you are the spiritual technician. You don't need an intermediary. And I think that really resonates a lot with people. So what I was lucky enough to do is combine that that trend in in our society with the with the reaction to the president and his policies and the people behind him supporting those policies. And it just all came together just so beautifully. So I, more than anything, I just feel really fortunate to have been in the right place at the right time with the right words. And as a writer, it's also kind of wild to know that, that, you know, thousands of people are saying the words you wrote at the same time. <laughs> we all as writers we we like we know people read our books and things like that, but knowing people are like saying these words with passion together at the same time, like this litany connecting each other all around the planet was just still still boggles my mind and i I just feel really fortunate that I was able to kind of birth this thing and and to see it come to life
2: hmm. now, let's talk about where people can find you. So when someone wants to send you a hate letter and they're going to kill you, <laughs> yeah.
1: where should yes. they go? You know, where Right. They... There's sent, any hate mail um, sent to Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, any money um, you can send directly to me. Um, I'm all, you could just Google my name, Michael M Hughes. My website is Michael M Hughes on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and, clubhouse and, you know, any, anywhere else I can kind of, you know, plant my flag. Uh, It's Michael M. Hughes. So uh, my books and everything, my, my novels, short fiction, all that stuff is all linked from my website. So if you, uh, Magic for the Resistance, you can buy in any bookstore. If they don't have it, they can order for you. You can all of course grab all this stuff online as well.
2: We'll have all that up on our website and all that so people can find you and stuff. Awesome. So Thank Hey, did you, you get a lot of uh you know, titty shots and <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, just I mean, when you become popular like that, and you get the hate mail, you also get all the, the
1: news. Yeah, un- unfortunately, no nudes, You know, oh. uh, I know. Like what's, no what's, dick
2: what's, shots. Come on.
1: No, no, you know, nothing. It's just I don't, I don't know why. Um, you know, I got there were some, you know, uh, there were some very uh, attractive people of all varieties who, you know, I, I who. I connected with and everything, but, but, you know, for, for some strange reason, maybe I'm just not good looking or something. I don't know. I, I just did not get, did not get that kind of fan mail, so uh, I wouldn't oh, argue well, against it. <laughs> oh, no, you're
2: perfectly a handsome man. Please, oh, you've got no shucks. problems Oh, you're making there. me blush. <laughs> but I think, you know, come on, but once, once you get famous, it doesn't matter. They send it to you. I get all sorts of nasty stuff, and I love it. So so everybody, I want, I want you to get on board here and, uh, you know. Send him. Send Michael <laughs> oh, no, your no, favorite shots. I mean, oh, him. no. Here we yeah. go. Yeah, and we'll have a contest. <laughs> <laughs> end, end of the year, you know. best. How about just show best me, best me your – you know,
1: right. I mean, I have had people send photos of their magic wands, but Ooh. not that kind of <laughs> – Oh, <laughs> <laughs> darn. Jeez, yeah. that's a good oh. one. I yeah all i don't else. want i don't want my wife looking at my phone and seeing it you know blowing up with all of that.
2: <laughs> say no make, no make, make photo, so, i didn't yeah. know what that i don't know that person really <laughs> it's alan's fault <laughs> 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 blame it on me i do it yeah i'll take the blame Just, you don't know, put it all on me well well it's been a pleasure um it's always good to talk to you uh and um hopefully we'll have you on again and uh we'll talk more when you uh get something more going on magic for the resistance too.
1: yeah who knows i think i really feel like getting back to fiction though um yeah. magic for the resistance this the crazy story about this book is my publisher llewellyn they wanted it to come out before the midterm elections in 2018 right. and um so that gave me one month to write the book <laughs> wow And I thought I was going to die. Like, I come home, kiss my wife, kiss the kids, and go down to my my subterranean office in the basement. And I would finish up around 3 or 4 in the morning, get up at, you know, 7, take the kids to school, work my day job, come home, and do it again for a solid month. And so this book nearly killed me, so... Um, You know, I I think it's decent. I think it's well written book. And I really gave it my all. So I don't think it's like it shows. But I just want people (laughs) to realize that, damn, man, that was that was the hardest thing I've ever done was to write an entire book in a month. Most writers get like six months to a year to finish something. I had one month. (laughs) <laughs> but I survived,
2: wow. you survived,
1: <laughs> yeah, it made,
2: it made you stronger, well or weaker I don't know. depends who uh, yeah, to. I don't know yeah I'm
1: not sure <laughs> bigger bags under my eyes for sure, so yeah. then they'll never go away, but well
2: it, it's character
1: uh, <laughs> well,
2: our guest has been the one and only uh Michael M. Hughes. Uh, the handsome magic for the resistance, <laughs> the rituals and spells for change. Thank you for coming on the show.
1: Thank you. It is always a pleasure and uh, uh, talking talking to you both. And it, it, uh, I would love to come back again sometime. Maybe after the next uh, maybe after the next novel, which will take me longer than a month. To rain, so. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.
0: You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts